Uh, last uh, late, I think it was May of this year, uh, I was invited to um, to perform a wedding in Atlantic City. Many of you remember that. And uh, in between the, there were four obligations I had uh, as the celebrant and also a friend of the of the family. And so in between there, I got a chance to explore Atlantic City, which uh, I never had been to that that part of, of the East Coast. And uh, it was fun to kind of, after walking the boardwalk, which went about three miles, I think, I began doing the uh, Monopoly tour. I hope everybody here, I'm a little worried at 10.30, nobody, well, no, somebody won't know what Monopoly is. Everybody know what the game of Monopoly is? Dumb question? Okay. So anyway, of course, almost all, if not all, of the city, of the streets are, are in Atlantic City, so you're kind of trying to check one after the other off and walk around finding them. And... Uh, in doing that, it, I was thinking about that with this gospel because it kind of fits the story of the rich young man and the story of life, I think. Uh, you know, when we're, when we're playing a game like that, I remember my cousins and I in Ohio, we played for a week. I don't know, we, I don't think we ever did come to the end of that game. We all kind of had an even distribution of, of, uh, of uh, rentals on, on, the, on the property, I guess you might say, hotels and stuff. Anyway, um, with that game, you have... Each person is given an equal amount of money, of course, and then you roll the dice. So it's a combination of chance and not missing an opportunity if you happen to, to uh, be fortunate enough to land in a certain place. So in some ways, life is like a game of Monopoly. We, are all, we all begin with the same amount of money. Now, that doesn't mean that we're all equal. It means that each of us has the gift of life. We're really, what it means in the analogy is, we're all sitting at the table right now, and we have this game going on. It's the game of life, and we are here until the game ends. So we have to trade well with this money, which is not real money, but is part of the game. And so, of course, part of it is uh, we start out as equals at the game, but very quickly it becomes partly a game of chance. Who's going to hit the first major uh, spot, and will they be smart enough to buy it right off the bat? This is where recognizing one's opportunity when it comes uh, is important. Some people end up, let's face it, some people end up with um, hotels on um, Boardwalk and uh, what's that other one I got used to get bankrupted trying to get by? Park Place. Yeah, so, and I, I, I see, I'm not a very good investor. I always go for Baltic Avenue, <laughs> the low rent district. But in the end of this game, one person after the other typically drops out as they go bankrupt, and one person ends up with all the loot uh, if they win. But ultimately, we put the pieces back in the box, the money goes back in the little spots for it, and somebody else plays the game. Because with life, at the end, we put all those pieces back, and then God has watched this game and has his reasons for allowing us to play it, will then give us something more valuable if we played the game right. What it's really all about is, did I make use of what I, was, what I was given? We're not all given the same roll of the dice. And we're not judged by how many hotels we had, but how well we played the game. And God gives us permanent money and permanent wealth after we're finished with this brief world and put it back in the box. So this rich man comes along. We see that Jesus is about to leave, and he takes his courage and gets up and comes running over to Jesus. Was he sitting there listening to Jesus? Did he, was he following him around for a while? We don't know. 
But Mark is very, has a lot of details in his gospel. And so this man comes running up, and I can see him kneeling before Jesus. I think he is kneeling in one of the other gospels. And he says, good, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Well, this got Jesus' attention because what are most people saying to him? They're coming up as Pharisees to test him, ulterior motives in their questions, which didn't make Jesus very happy, or, Lord, can you give me a healing? So when this guy comes up looking toward eternal life, he's been listening, and Jesus is very pleased to have heard a question like this. So like a good teacher, he throws it back at him, and God often, Jesus often answers with a question, you may notice. He says, well, you know the commandments, don't you? And he lists off about six or seven of them. And of course, this man already knew this. He wants something more from Jesus. And he says, well, you know, Lord, uh, I've, I've done this all my life. In other words, I, I've tried to keep these commandments. But isn't there something more? Um, this I don't feel that, I feel that you're teaching us something more. And this interesting comment that Mark, only Mark, shows, because Mark is getting his material from an eyewitness, probably Peter, uh, and Jesus looks at this person with love. Why does Jesus do this? Because this man has been loving God. He didn't probably realize he was loving God, but God loved him. They were showing love for each other at that moment. It's really cool. Uh, love is, is listening to and trying to put into practice what someone else wants. And if uh, love is not how much I feel good about you. I mean, if we just pray when we feel good, we come to Mass when we feel good, we give only when we feel good, when we're not getting something out of it, whether our tithe, we're not doing well financially or we're praying and it's dry or we're generous until we don't feel like it, that's not love. That's self-love. Real love is when we don't feel good about something. Love isn't feelings when it comes to our relationship with God or ultimately with others. It's a commitment. And so Jesus, uh, notice how Jesus gives this man only what he can handle. He doesn't go any further. He knows if he asks for more, there's a danger that this man's going to go away. So he waits. It's the man himself that asks, what more must I do, Lord? I know there's more. I feel there's more I ought to be doing. And then Jesus lets him have it. He says, you know, I see you've got a lot of stuff. You have a lot of stuff. Get rid of that and come follow me and I'll make you rich. And the man goes away sad. That was more than he could do. And he was probably sad the rest of his life. He, God still loved him, but he missed that one opportunity to purchase Park Place. He never landed on it again. You know what I'm saying? There was that one moment when Jesus would never pass by again. And how many people throughout history had wished they had been this man? But in the real world, it's not so easy to see when the opportunity of a lifetime passes by. I can speak only for myself, but when I left um, the airline, if I hadn't said yes then, I never would have. But I didn't realize it at the time. That was 
that you have those big moments, then you have small ones that come by every single day. And Jesus is calling for us, will you recognize this opportunity? Well, the opportunity is life. And while we have, we're playing the game and we're landing on certain things by, supposedly by chance, how do we handle the places and the people that we encounter on the journey of life? That's where the opportunity lies. And if we recognize it, Jesus will make us very wealthy. If we just try to hold on to this world, well, it's all going to go back in the box at some point. So to know that, to know the rules of the game, is we're very far ahead of others that are playing it the wrong way. So when we come to the real world, many opportunities, uh, in the sense we're doing a little bit of sacrificial giving this weekend, was thinking about um, George Russell, who was we buried on Friday, uh, the whole time I had been here for the last, until the last three years, he was always greeting at the back door. Before that, he sang in the 815 choir when it was a different group. And George was, uh, would always be there with his face, shaking hands. And Mitch Murphy, who works that mass, was saying, half the time, somebody wouldn't show up. She'd call George and say, well, I'm here anyway. I might as well do this. And I'd say, George, don't, don't scare the customers away. And he'd say, uh, so he got kind of a grouchy look. He says, well, so do you, Father. You don't scare him away. We go back and forth like this. But George gave what he could. He was there shaking hands. And I'm sure the Lord said, thank you for greeting me so many times in and out. How, how easy it was to become wealthy uh, by doing that one thing. What does God want me to do? Am I giving enough time to my family? Do I give time to God? Do I take advantage of something like the, the Know the Faith class or form? We 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 re-signed up for another year. It's a chance to just watch a movie in there uh, or something that is edifying and building up our, our spirit. Do I give my time somewhere? We have a lot of opportunities here. Last week, we had the Friendship Brigade. You know, about 30 people signed up in this parish for that, out of those 50 she needed. 30 people found their chances, and many of them will meet one senior and become wealthy because they gave that little bit of time. Wealthy on earth with the, the joy of doing something for someone else and wealthy in heaven. And then with tithing, tithing is something that uh, I have to grow into. I've told this story a number of times, but I was sitting in my home parish of St. Jerome in Los Angeles. It's right under the fly path going in uh, on the um, north runway. And we used to call her, our, don't not offended by this, but Our Lady of the 747s, you know, official. <laughs> you can still see it if you know where to look. It's quite large. Um, it, was, it was an edgy design, but it was I, of my home. But I was sitting there, and a deacon, was, a permanent deacon, was giving the sermon, and, and he said, uh, why don't you go home and just add up all that you have contributed to your best of your ability, everything from McNary Band Aid or, or breast cancer. They, they ask you over at the, at the store, would you like to give your change here? Or you go to McDonald's, there's a little thing to put money in for that, for charity. You tithe to your church, other organizations, and just see what percentage of your income is it. Less than a cable bill, less than a, a meal out or whatever, you know, and I came home convicted. And uh, I, I've come to realize that those are part of our investments. When I give to something, such as St. Vincent de Paul, you know, God will say in the last day of your life, thank you for giving me this can of beans. I'll say, he'll say I never ever did that for you. Well, you gave this to them, they did it in your name, and here's the dividends that you've been receiving ever since with that small investment. And that investment's never going to stop because I will know something about Christ 
for all eternity. That's what it means to be wealthy in heaven, to have shared something with the Creator and to have that intimate connection that you cannot ever get again because it has to be done here on earth. And we don't know how long we're going to be able to play the game. And when we give something to St. Ed's, some of, because you have contributed here and somebody will turn informed, tune informed, or uh, go to Brad's class, uh, all of which costs money uh, to put all that on, but people will then come back to the faith and our Lord will say to you, thank you for sharing the faith with me. Um, you gave me a movie and I watched it, changed my life, changed somebody's life and so on. You'll say, when did we ever do that? Well, you gave to the church. They, they invested in you by buying this program and some people's lives were changed. And thank you very much. Here are your dividends. And sometimes we won't know we've got them until the end of life, but it's very satisfying to have given God something and he never fails to return it. I found that over the years is extremely uh, true uh, in my own life. And uh, it just, a lot of life is really recognizing those small and large opportunities. Sometimes it's, it's just as simple as being patient on the phone while a good friend tells you their story for the fifth time, you know. And uh, that's also a way of tithing. So we, as we go through life, we want to recognize our opportunities when they come. Because one day, we don't know when, there will come a time when we'll, we will end the game on earth. We'll put the little tokens back in the box. The play money will, will all be put back in their piles. Everything will go back to the way it was. A new game will be set up for another four people to play and blessed are those who recognize their opportunities when they come.